Welcome to episode 76 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley. This episode is brought to you by our patrons, and if you guys want to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash hoscalecustoms and find out a little bit more over there. Or if you're not in the Patreon, you can head on over to hoscalecustoms.com forward slash support. All right, let's get into our episode, episode 76, with a special guest. Uh, we were on his show, and we're excited for have him to be on our show. Let's go on over. All right, what's up, everyone? We have Tom Barblay of Model Rail Radio. So we were on your show. Mm-hmm. And now hostage exchange. We're on, you're we're on our. It. We're holding you hostage yeah. on our yeah, show. Exactly. So um, <laughs> thank you for coming on, and thank you for hostage allowing us to come on your show. Look, believe me, we let on anyone. So <laughs> you really you oh, so quite right here. You set this <laughs> where, where the standards are low, right? Exactly. Oh no. <laughs> Great. That's interesting because you'd think the standards would be low, but actually we have discovered so many people in yeah. the model railroading hobby because the hobby previously was a bunch of somewhat dusty magazine folk, uh, but they're actually, it turns out, there are, it's like a terrorist network. There are sleeper cells it's everywhere. It's like an underground modeling world. <laughs> are everywhere, and yeah, that's that's what I've done. I've, I've smoked them out. Let's just say, <laughs> put them in with audio. Yeah. Yeah, and you and you have um, a little bit more unique of a of a format, and and we were just talking about that before we started recording. Both of our shows have their own unique um, style and format with them. Um, yeah, and yours this is Model Rail Radio. Model Rail so Radio. Yes. Yep. Okay. And uh, yours is a call-in show where you have a big, almost like a roundtable of uh, people talking. Correct. Well, we typically have one. We typically have one person right. per segment. I mean, we try to limit that. Sometimes we open it up for topics. If we have questions, we open it up. But usually, it's it's one person per segment. Okay, you do have one person per segment. And when we when we were on, um, it was more a, your niche and our niche are they're great when they exist. They coexist together, but they're almost two different worlds. So. Um, if anyone, I'm sure everyone's familiar with your show as much as um, you guys are out there. Anyone that's listening to us is definitely familiar with you guys. You hit the uh, more of the um, operations and uh, model and the actual railroading side of the hobby way more than we do. So I won't even pretend to know uh, half the stuff that you guys do. So I kind of want you to elaborate a little bit more on what your show covers. I know you have a pretty wide scope of everything, but can you kind of give us a rundown of how your show started and what you mainly try to, to cover? So I started doing model rail radio about 10 years ago. And I, I, this isn't a secret, although it might seem like a secret the way I say <laughs> it. I'm not actually a model railroader. My interests are associated with simulation, uh, computer simulation primarily mm-hmm. and ways in which, uh, societies are formed, networks are formed. So I had a podcast, I've had a podcast called Ape Reality, which is about my simulation, Noble Ape, for about 14, 15 years now. And I started a podcast called Biota Live, which was, strangely enough, a call-in radio show where people that had these kind of simulations could call in and talk about the simulations. Now, this is a tiny community. This is a community of maybe 50 active people the world over. So very small. And it's incredibly niche. I mean, it's people that are academic. Some of us aren't academic. Some of us work in industry. So it's quite a diverse and very geographically diverse community. And we all do different stuff. 
So I was thinking this is actually a really interesting format and it's something that could lend itself to a wide variety of other things. Now, I, I know at least one of you is the Civil War, you know, interested in the Civil War. Um, I have a background in military war gaming, so I thought, well, could do a podcast of military war gaming. I did one <laughs> of those for a period of time with another gentleman. And um, he had an issue with his sponsor. Huh. I did a relatively neutral review associated with a game system. And the sponsor basically kicked up a stink about it and, and got me removed from that podcast. But I'd already started Model Rail Radio by that stage. So really, Model Rail Radio was me surveying what podcasts were up and available at the time. And at the time, a podcast, which I think your podcast is in direct legacy to, the original Scotty Mason show that had on Doug Fiscali, Dave Ferrari, obviously Scotty Mason, but basically a number of your prior guests had this podcast where they would typically talk about New England model railroading, um, obviously a lot of structure kit discussion, and they created the uh, the structure show, the Craftsman Structure Show right. from that. And so at the time, that was one of the podcasts. The other podcast was by a gentleman who unfortunately is no longer with us, the late Ryan Anderson. And he had a podcast called The Model Railcast Show, where he initially started by talking with people local to him. And then he had a, a fellow by the name of Craig Biscay get involved and a, a wide variety of the other characters uh, that, you know, we have on Model Rail Radio as well. So I thought, OK, there are two podcasts that are in this space. The Model Railroading hobby is huge. I've known model railroaders. When I was a boy, I used to go to a, a local train show. I had a, a train as a boy. I have kind of long-standing connections. My grandfather was a model railroader. Um, well, he had a train that came out at Christmas time. Uh -huh. So I had um, I knew a little bit about the model railroading hobby. My childhood memories of going to this train show annually was always fun. And I thought the model railroading hobby is missing podcasts there should be for the size of model railroading there should be at least 15 podcasts in this space right wargaming if you're familiar with wargaming podcasts there are m more than two dozen podcasts mm -hmm. currently in oh this yeah space. there's, there's a, a large number of yeah. them and that i think is the best possible ecosystem because as you i mean you say niches at the time that i created model rail radio I wasn't looking to fill niches. I was looking to see, can I create a community mm -hmm. around opening a, a live radio show and having people call in? Like, what would the community be like? Right. So I did a monologue for two or three shows. You can still download this um, through modelrailradio.com. It's all available back to the original show. I started doing a monologue, and a gentleman who I think is just a saint-like gentleman, Chris Abbott, called in and he and I talked for a couple of recordings and then a, a variety of different folks started calling in. So we assembled a community within about three months. We had thousands of listeners. Uh, we had maybe five regular guests and half a dozen people that called in periodically. We started having, aside from, we had what I call co-hosts, which are people who, basically call in almost every show. And we started developing, so my interest is narrative. My interest is creating stories and allowing people to tell stories that inspire other people. And I, I work for Netflix and I'm actually talking next week at Netflix about <laughs> how to create these communities. Because I think when people start podcasts, they don't think about it, some don't, 
associated with what kind of community am I looking to create? What kind of qualities do I want in this community? Obviously, I want ideas of respect. I want notions of information passing on. I want an ability for, as you say, new people to get involved and completely change ideas. I want something that is very sticky, i.e. people like listen to it and then they want to keep listening to it and they become kind of addicted to it. It has a sticky quality. Right. And I created Model Rail Radio through that. Now, at the time when I started it, I knew very little about model railroading. I came from a background where I'd worked in a physics institution through the um, latter part of my high school. And I'd worked around elderly physicists. These are scientists that are in their 70s and 80s, like old, old men scientists. And I had to learn physics at a young age, like the language of physics. Um, and I realized that model railroading was just like a language that I could learn. So I started doing model rail radio and then it just became an overwhelming success. It became something which was so completely overwhelming that I realized I can't stop doing it. People will hunt me down literally if I stop model rail radio. <laughs> and it is a thing now which means that I can travel anywhere in the world and meet listeners. And I've had listeners actually, uh, well, a participant, a fellow by the name of Jim Gifford uh, and his, his friend uh, Ross Flint. They traveled around North America and the UK meeting model rail radio listeners and participants. And they did, I think, 25 plus cities. They oh, wow. met literally hundreds of people who had all participated in model rail radio or were listeners to the podcast. Oh, so awesome. this thing is a phenomenon, this notion of putting audio out and creating a community and inspiring a bunch of people. And obviously, you know, Lionel Strang, the, the AML network, he, he says Model Rail Radio is, is responsible for him creating what he has done <laughs> with Model's life. So the ability to create this stuff, to inspire others to do it, and just to get these ideas out is right. just absolutely amazing. Right. And I think that has been the overwhelming emotion for me creating this thing. And I now... Some of my best friends, some of the most fascinating. I mean, this is a hobby that people that are not scared of doing a variety of different things do. You can't be a model railroader if you're timid about electronics, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to get in there. You've got to start exploring this. And what you find is I have met people who I'm really privileged to say are my close friends now from doing this podcast. So model rail radio for me it's almost like a religion. I almost feel like I'm a Hare Krishna or something. <laughs> because it has been so overwhelmingly positive to me. Uh, and it has shown me really strongly that, and when I think back, um, my parents used to be interviewed on, on radio periodically. My grandfather, um, one of my grandfathers was a, a barber and he would cut hair in Leeds in the UK and he'd just talk to people. So I have a background of, of conversation of humor, of these kind of things, but distilling it in a community and a community that is so diverse and so supporting, uh, as I found with Model Rail Radio. And it's, it's one-tenth of a percent me, <laughs> and the rest of it is all these fascinating people that are part of this amazing hobby. Mm -hmm. I had to agree with that entirely. And not only that, Tom, but they, it, it, no matter what niche of the hobby you're in, um, or, you know, like, 
whether you're doing electronics or your track layer or your uh, you, you do operations or you switch yards and things like this, um, switching operations, you know, or or if you're like us, you, you do our thing is structures and scenery. I mean, we're not real. Brett and I aren't real versed in the in the train end of things, okay, mm. but. Um, we have them. But it's not our. It's not our main focus. It's not what we love about it. But they all work together. And what's neat about the hobby, and I'm sure you can concur through all the ten years that you've been doing your show, and and all the you know thousands of people that you've met through it, just like we have met lots and lots of people, is for those that, those people that are involved help each other. It's mm. a community mm. that all. If I don't know something. I can get a hold of somebody who does know, and he might be he may be well versed, or everybody knows who he is. He does not mind sharing, or she, for that matter, mm-hmm. they do not mind sharing what they what they know with the rest of the community. And we've been in other hobbies. One you mentioned was Civil War reenacting, <laughs> and where they do not, where that's not always the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we were the hardcore reenactor type, but not everybody was willing in our hobby to share what they knew or the history that they've learned with others so they could improve or get better. And I've not seen that with this hobby. This with model railroading, well, I, everybody we, works together. I think we've run into maybe two people now ever that were like that. And yeah. uh, no one was talking to them. So they were, they were the, yes. they were the <laughs> exception. Like no one. Yes. The, and they're well-known names. But, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's just, yeah. you know, the people that, I, I, this, it's such a, like you were saying earlier, it's such a neat mm-hmm. place to be in this hobby because um, you know, I mean, we have a much smaller community than what yours is because, you know, you've been, you have a much, you've, you've bigger community, you've been around much longer and, uh, uh, but it's still and, neat. And it's, it's still a, it's neat to be able to see, niche, it's yeah. still neat to be able to see these people get together and exchange ideas in such an unselfish way with each other, just to see each other have better results on their, whatever they're working on. It's such a cool, it's a cool place to be. It's a cool hobby to be in just because everyone loves to share. One of the crazy things about model rail radio, which may not be appreciated is when I start every recording, I don't have a clue who's going to call in. (laughs) I don't know what we're going to discuss. I don't know what direction this thing is going to take. This thing could go in any possible way. And when I, we did show 100 physically at my house where I'm talking to you from, actually in this very (laughs) podcasting room, we podcast for about 10 and a half hours. Uh, We did take breaks. There were were three separate sections, but in total 10 and a half hours. My wife, unfortunately had to be hospitalized a few days later she uh, picked up bronchitis through the experience. I think she was just oh, really? terrified with all these strange men, many of whom we've never <laughs> met before, that were just turning up. And strange men and women, I should say. But more importantly, <laughs> uh, the downstairs, we had an N-scale modular layout that was built downstairs. We had Terry Terrence uh, and uh, Jim Lincoln fly over from the East Coast. Terry Terrence was giving clinics downstairs while the N-scale modular guys were were running their trains. It was a very amazing sense. And I, <laughs> the one thing I did do wrong was I told people to bring donuts and coffee, which apparently I shouldn't have done because um, <laughs> we had nothing but donuts and coffee the entire day. But aside from that, I think the thing with Model Rail Radio is it's a self-creating, self-fulfilling community. I don't start this thing 
with any sense that anyone's going to call in or what we're going to discuss. It is purely down to the community to connect right. on Skype and to give a call in. And I think the notion that model rail radio is a niche is interesting because it makes me think like there's no evil genius behind this thing. It's just an <laughs> idiot that opens a microphone for a couple of hours every, you know, every couple of weeks. Right. And mysteriously, other model railroader folk want to call in and talk about their hobby. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a neat <laughs> It's such a neat concept yeah. uh, that you just you you you. Uh, it's a wild card. Whatever you don't know what you're getting. You're just pulling a wild card every time you open up the mics. So uh, um, I'm sure in your in your many episodes of, of of the of the show, you've gotten some some real interesting guests. You've probably gotten a few. Uh, that's actually a question I want to ask: is the number of episodes you've had and the and the openness of it and the availability of anyone to just call in, have you ever received any calls that you were just like, oh my gosh, there's no way that this can be, <laughs> this can be happening right now. Um, either like, uh, <laughs> be, uh, I'm sure it comes with opening it up like that and being so open. Does that ever happen? Um, where, where, we had, on, like we had a, on a perfect storm one show. It was a show where my wife was going away. Where they're always the best shows because that means that I can usually edit them and get them out almost <laughs> instantly. We had the late Ryan Anderson on, and obviously you know this gentleman very well. Mm-hmm. We had Dave Frary on as well. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And my view is that Dave Frary being recorded in any form is a sacred thing. Right. Uh-huh. Any kind of audio associated with Dave Frary getting out in this hobby, you're dealing with someone who is so meticulous and so wise. But I, yes. the thing I love with Dave Frary is we talked to him about barbecuing. Like, he, right. as, is, as many of the callers, we have some seriously brilliant and fascinating callers. And some of them are like world leaders in their particular fields. Some of them have had life experiences that are absolutely untouchable. Like they have just done amazing things. Some of them are, are horrible things that they've lived through. Mm-hmm. But we have had, you know, we've had people that who's literally houses have burnt down. We've had a guy who, you know, was made homeless for a period of time. We've had so many interesting characters through this. There was the, you asked me to talk about in, or think about incidents before we before we started this thing, and there have been a couple of times where I have actually had to take the audio out. We had one gentleman who's relatively well known, <laughs> who for whatever reason took exception to the fact it, I'm I was relatively open on Facebook, but I made a post. I'm an expat Australian. I'm from Australia originally. Mm-hmm. But I made a post associated with the, the, as is the case in many countries, sometimes you don't get the best possible politicians on either party ticket <laughs> for an election. I, this might seem shocking to your right. listeners, but let me just say, this also <laughs> happens in other countries as well. So I, I posted one time the, the best possible, you know, piece of paper Australians can get as a, a ticket out of Australia. And um, this caused offence with one gentleman. Now, my grandmother at the time, who was really the matriarch of the family, was dying in Australia. So I was having calls to Australia. This gentleman, I think's mother, was also passing away at the same time. And he called up and um, it was not a particularly... I know we lost at least one listener on that particular recording. (laughs) That, I think, has been the, the hardest hostility. We've had some seriously bad karma situations associated with um, mainly some of, well, one of the physical get-togethers 
created some substantial rifts in a community. Huh. And that I felt was really, really, because I visited the various participants of that following, and I thought that was really bad. I mean, that was, so we have had bad things that have happened. This isn't all wonderful stuff. Whenever you get things together, you know, yeah, yeah. things happen. And you're going, you're doing it live. I mean, these people are calling in live, and then you're doing it. Yeah. Now, so, of course, you can edit, of course. But we can. Still. So that one thing associated with the me not being a patriotic Australian, that was removed, thankfully. Um, there have been, we've had various, we used to be on a thing called Talk Shoe, or maybe Blog Talk Radio, I can't remember, basically both. Um, we had a gentleman tr troll us early on in the recording. See, uh, I might have actually put his audio in. Just for humor's sake. <laughs> and we had, had a, a Chinese participant one time who had very limited English. And mm -hmm. he was difficult because it was really... He, clearly, he enjoyed what we were doing, mm -hmm. but it wasn't really easy to get audio back. And the non-English speaking... So we've had various... Um, we had a recording that Jim Lincoln actually put together for us, for Spanish language speakers, mm -hmm. where he translated oh, for wow. them. Um, we have a substantial list of both. So there's a phenomenon that's happened in the past decade, which I think is primarily associated with, um, oh, what's the NPR show called that got a lot the NPR podcast that got a lot of, um, the, the car talk. No, car talk is oh, a good example. That's, that's my, that's my favorite podcast from them. I know. Believe me, believe me. Those guys are great. Um, but no, it was, um, Oh, it, anyway, it got a lot of media about five years ago. When I started Model Rail Radio, about half the listeners were Americans and the other half of the listeners were pretty evenly distributed between the UK, Australia, Canada, uh, Germany was a big audience, uh, France, uh, Hong Kong was a big audience. Progressively, Serial is the name of the podcast, you see. You get me on a weekday, I'll be able to think things <laughs> eventually. Serial is the name of the podcast. Serial did a huge amount of publicity. It actually spun off a podcasting network and basically, the U.S. podcasting audience grew substantially in the past four or five years, thanks to a lot of media publicity associated with this thing called podcasting in the U.S. media, which unfortunately didn't occur in the U.K. or Australia. So the audience for Model Rail Radio is now about 78% Americans, which is an interesting shift in, in demographics because it means that... Um, of our listeners, they obviously like the UK and Australian content that we're putting in, and Canadian content as well. So our listeners aren't complaining about one in three of the shows. Well, it's not solidly one in three of the shows, but a good portion of one in three of the shows relates to a crew in the UK that I think are doing absolutely, like, stuff that if it was shown in the US would just completely blow the top off of railroading here. They are just doing amazing work, and their level of detail and precision is unlike anything I've seen. Mm -hmm. And so I'm willing to devote a solid portion of Bottle Rail Radio in the UK timeframe to them talking because I think they have ideas which will help individual hobbyists and also people that are forming small clubs. Right. And so I'm willing to give them extra time. So they actually... Um, appear in the UK-friendly uh, shows uh, more frequently than other participants. But in terms of North America, we've got that pretty heavily covered as well. We've got participants all over uh, North America, and I think we cover just unintentionally, just by this random thing, 
so many different aspects of the hobby. Now, obviously, there are certain things that don't translate well to audio. Solar mm -hmm. tips. You know, there are, there are <laughs> some video yeah, good luck with that. Huh? Okay. So <laughs> video still has a real place in this hobby. But right. what I try to do with Model Wire Radio, um, the only thing I can really do is what I think of as like flight traffic control, yes. is just try to get the blend right. But a lot of times we get new callers as well, and I'm and talking think, to a new caller is just a wonderful experience. I think this is prime time right now for podcasting, just simply because uh, now obviously podcasting has been around a while. However, podcasting is now more readily available to the more common people are becoming more more aware of podcasts, and 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 as to the fact that now they they can stream it. Most a, a lot of people with their phone plans and everything else can stream right off their phone or in their car, uh, you know, and run the Bluetooth and run it and listen to it while they drive, uh, just like a radio station. So it's not you don't have to have a uh, you don't have to belong to Cirrus to uh, to listen to a podcast. You can just have it on your phone and, and use one of the many podcast apps uh, that are out there or platforms and. And that wasn't available in recent years, and now it's growing. And I think podcasting is becoming huge, and I think that is a, you know, it's a great way to reach out and share this hobby together. It's neat that you do it and that we do it. Um, we see the benefits of making the hobby grow. It's not really we're not going to be able to retire on on uh, you know bench time podcast here. You know, or, or make, make make lots of money in any shape or way or form. Maybe just to go out to dinner, and uh, that, <laughs> but for us, it's 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 about helping to make the hobby grow, just as it is for you. And One thing changed my thinking in the past year associated with this, and this is something that I had held off doing because I I talk to my coworkers associated with what they do with their audio time, and most of them consume audio books voraciously they yeah. they consume and my view is that podcasting the only meaningful competition in the space is audiobooks and having listened to audiobooks and understood the space i realized my responsibility as a podcaster is to up my game yeah it's not just we're getting all these ears for free it's that right. we're getting ears that actually have discernible choices that they can make right true yep. True regular radio, serious, this kind of stuff is, you know, it's gone in its own direction. Sure. But what we have to compete with now is really well executed audio books in a variety of different topics. I mean, my, I, I have a, I'm a Second World War buff. So audio books since the Second World War is just, I mean, I've consumed nearly every possible audible offering and now they're finding like new niches for me to explore. So my view is that it's not any it's no longer just about having an open mic. It's no longer about just recording people and putting out the audio. It's about the quality of audio, it's the quality of discussion, it's right. the ability to keep people's interest. Content. And also exactly. And now we are moving and unfortunately this isn't talked about very heavily in, you know, everyone let's just all record podcasts. But it's not just that there are a lot of ears there, it's there are ears that are actually quite discerning. And to find a niche with regards to audio quality, to find a niche with regards to the quality of the personalities of the content, I mean, that, I think, is the next level associated with improving right. this particular thing. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's a, 
it's a lot of work. People don't realize it. You know, it's not just a bunch of guys sitting there trying to talk on a mic. You, we have to arrange the time. You have to film. The, you have to find the content and find something that's interesting for your listeners, or you're not going to have them. I mean, flat out, you're not just going to be able to sit down here like we do on a Wednesday night and say, okay, let's just start it up and get going. We, it, it doesn't happen that way. You know, we have to have a topic. And, you're, you know, and doing a weekly podcast for us, uh, doing it every week, um, I got to tell you, I mean, we when we first started, we thought we were just going to go with a, a monthly show. Um, but, you know, the challenge is finding content every week. And there's no reason in this hobby that it's not there. It should be easy to find content. But you have to put the work and the leg effort into it uh, to make it to make it happen. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure you can attest to that. I mean, you now you have lots of different guests with different backgrounds and things like that. We focus more on the scenery and and uh, structure type thing. Um, so, but there's always something out. There's always a new kit. There's always a new, you know. There's always new techniques. Or and like you said, it's some of those techniques are hard to show. Um, you know. So, yeah, that's why we also do the live uh, feeds on our Facebook as well. Uh, where we do some modeling live on on a show, um, just so we can teach a couple techniques and things like that, or have a guest on like Jason Jensen, who can do that as well. So, I mean, it's um, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's not, it's not just a, a radio show. There's there's work that goes into it, and I'm sure with yours as well. I mean, you're, it's it's a ton of extra time and effort that you had to take in of your own time to do it. So. I mean, when I started the show, I was recording four or five hour shows. You know, this was the length of time that the audience wanted. And I had a relative, I mean, I have a relatively good editing setup. I did uh, pass on a couple of tips and a a piece of software to Brett before we got started. But I mean, my view is that I've optimized for that. But actually, the editing is an exhausting thing, right? Actually, editing audio and cleaning it up. I mean, I, I'm i pretty meticulous about the audio that I put out. I certainly don't like white space ums. I want people to sound better when the audio comes out than when they're initially recorded. I want people to listen and particularly first time calls think, I didn't sound as stupid as I thought I sounded back in the recording. And well, some of that time <laughs> is actually me editing it to change various you know bits and pieces associated with the way that people speak. So it does take a bit of extra time and certainly I've moved the shows now to um, through the summer I'm doing every three weeks, but through the you know rest of the year I do every couple of weeks. They're typically yeah. a couple of hours long. I mean, usually because Model Rail Radio, as a married man, the really interesting part is I've mentioned my wife being hospitalized after show 100. Model Rail Radio, while being married, has been a very interesting thing. Let, let us just take a minute to talk about this thing. My wife is just the most forgiving person for the way this podcast has uh, taken over my life. She allows me typically for every week that we are on holiday, a day to catch up with fans in our various locations. Sometimes <laughs> I sneak in an extra half day somehow. But my wife <laughs> has, has accepted this podcast. Now, unlike you guys, I'm not – I. The, the aim I had, I've had a relatively horrible set of events happen to me with regards to my simulation project. And my wife put to me that I need to create a, a means of 
holding all this stuff. Firstly, Ryan Anderson is a very real example in this hobby. He's a gentleman who died very rapidly. He passed on his podcast in a kind of piecemeal fashion. I spent quite a bit of time uh, with Craig and, and Tim Harrison getting their podcast, you know, running based on Ryan's legacy. But I think we all have a burden or a duty once we've actually done this thing to make something which is self-sustaining. So that's mm-hmm. certainly something I'm, I talked about in the audio that I'm about to put out, Model Rail Radio, but I'm creating something around the stuff that I do to protect it because I have had an intellectual property rights assault on my work for the past two years for, associated with my simulation work, which has really taken a lot of time and a lot of energy and basically eliminated a legacy that I spent 23 years to create. So I'm mindful now that I've got to make sure that that doesn't happen with Model Rail Radio. My wife is certainly forefront and center with that. But my perspective is, my wife has just been amazing with regards to this thing. I'll give you a point, you may not know this. About three years into recording Model Rail Radio, my wife's grandmother was killed by a train. And she was killed by, and I dealt with the train company, I dealt with the city, I, I helped as much as I possibly could with the family. But there was a very meaningful discussion associated with this horrible experience that happened to us and Model Rail Radio. And my wife said, clearly, Model Rail Radio has got nothing to do with my grandmother's death. And clearly, the people that you were involved with Model Rail Radio are, in fact, the embodiment of aspects of my wife's grandmother. So I couldn't do Model Rail Radio without my wife, Michelle, without her support because there is so much time and so much energy that goes into this thing. And uh, she loves, I mean, she might not say this to me, but she certainly loves going to the Model Rail Radio get-togethers because I'm, I'm a bit of a social guy flyer. I like moving between the various participants and talking to everyone. And we have a kind of musical chairs thing, which people blame on the fact that I'm an Australian. But we, whenever we have social get-togethers for Model Rail Radio, I like sitting, changing my seats basically and talking to everyone who's come, and my wife also does the same thing. So this podcast has been a great experience, but it does take an amount of time. It does take an amount of energy. And in particular, when we travel, there's always people (laughs) that want to get together and meet and talk and be passionate about their particular things. And for her, it's always interesting because it's like, if we go to Melbourne, I know that there are going to be at least six Model Rail Radio folk that you're going to have to... Know, <laughs> it's just, it's just, look, Adelaide, Adelaide, look, Adelaide, I went there after recording the show for maybe two years. Jim Gifford held a barbecue. Now, Jim Gifford, Adelaide is about two and a half days drive from Canberra, Australia, where I grew up. But a guy I went to high school with is married to one of Jim Gifford's crew's members. The, sorry, married to the daughter of one of Jim Gifford's crew's members. So this guy who I went to high school with strolls into this Model Rail Radio barbecue. You know, it, it would be like um, I went to school in New York and I was in Kansas. I mean, it's that kind of distance. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's still an amazingly small world. But meeting people and recording the shows and editing the shows, it all takes time. It's all yep. a donated effort um, sure. on my part. And I think the rewards I get back from it, just meeting people and hearing their stories. And when you, so when Jim Gifford did this tour with Roz and he met all these people, he, he'd never met any, I mean, he'd, he'd spoken to some of these people in podcasts, but he'd never physically met them. Right. And he just had an overwhelming 
outpouring of support, obviously a lot of food, a lot of social stuff. The amount of positive energy that this thing has created is just overwhelming. Yeah, and that's what we get out of it too. And, and we're glad that you got you were able to come on the show here with us tonight and uh, and talk as we get we exchange a little bit of ideas, get a better feel for how you know uh, so other people out there can understand a little bit more about the podcasting and um, and you know, what all's involved and and that there is other shows out there besides the ones that our listeners listen to or ones that your listeners listen to. And there's there's a good five or five or six or seven maybe uh, podcasts that I'm well aware of that, that do handle you know all kinds of different aspects of model road running. Mm. Um, we, we are grateful for the fact that you were able to come on tonight and um, and uh, we thank you. And so, well, thank I you will for having be, me on. And I will be checking out what you told me about earlier. I appreciate the uh, I, I appreciate <laughs> the tip. From another, from one podcaster to another, I I, um, I greatly appreciate that little tidbit there. Yeah, and um, like I said, we appreciate we 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 often share a lot of things on your Facebook page, and uh, we we appreciate you allowing us to do so. And um, we we encourage any of your listeners uh, to want to come on to our show, and if they want to share something that they have going on, they're more than welcome to do so. So, so thank you. Very nice. Thank you both. Well, thank you, Tom, you and um, we will be catching up with you i'm sure we'll catch up with you again here before too long it seems like we've been <laughs> we've been bumping into each other online a lot more and more so um we'll get you on again and we'll maybe we'll visit by we'll step by on your show again here soon too so Most definitely I, all right Fantastic. It is a late night here so we're going to log off <laughs> finally for the night thank you tom thank you all right bye-bye